In a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me. Some of his disciples said to one another, What does he mean by saying, In a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me, and because I am going to the Father? They kept asking, What does he mean by a little while? We don't understand what he is saying. Jesus saw that they wanted to ask him about this, so he said to them, Are you asking one another what I meant when I said, In a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me? I tell you the truth. You will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come, but when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you. Now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy. In that day you will no longer ask me anything. I tell you the truth, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. See if I've got this recording on. Can everybody hear me? Yes. What a text. This text has several, several points in it that are, that are extremely interesting to me. One is, Jesus said, I'm going to leave, and uh, you'll be sorry. You won't, you won't be happy about me being gone, but I will, I'll come back. When I come back, then you will rejoice. Your sorrow will be turned into joy. And, you know, I can relate to that, and you can too, I'm sure. Uh, if we, we, uh, we sometimes quote Shakespeare when a person, our family member, leaves and goes to a distant place and we, we say uh, sorrow is such parting is such great sorrow, sad sorrow so we know that when we separate from one another at times that there's a great sorrow and when we come back together there's a great joy there's a great feeling of rejoicing and that's what Jesus is talking about to some degree now, also in, included in this, he says, when I, when I see you again, your heart will rejoice, and your joy no man takes from you. It's going to be kind of tough for me to convey everything I'd like to say to you this morning, but, and, and I hope to be able to trans, transfer that to you, the things that I have felt and, and uh, have studied about this subject. But the idea is that he's saying, when I come back and I'm with you, your joy will be full. Joy is not always happiness. That may be kind of hard to conceive of, but it's not always happiness. Joy is a lot deeper than happiness. You know, we live in a country that guarantees that we have the right, at least the declaration is, that we have the right to pursue happiness. It doesn't mean we have a right to be happy. No man has a right to be happy. No more than you have the right to be tall and slender and good looking. You don't have that right. You don't have the right to happiness, but you have in this country the right to pursue happiness. And yet, when we're reading the text in the Bible, we're talking about a, a, a subject that's called joy. 
it's a feeling and a reasonable feeling of everything being right and good. Everything being all right. Um, as human beings, we have a broad range of emotions or feelings. Some of the emotions we have are harmless and some are beneficial. Some help us and some hurt us. Paul calls the good feelings that we have, he calls these the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. He says these emotions that are, that are good are called love, joy, see our, there's our word, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. These are the fruits of the Spirit. And they, they do, do, do good for us. They're good emotions. Now let's combine the statement of Jesus from John 16 about joy with the text in Colossians chapter 1, verse 9 through 13 that Paul writes. And we're, we're centering our minds on this term joy. Now, Paul said, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might, according to His glorious power, unto all patience and long-suffering, with joyfulness. There's our word. He said, I want you to have all these things with joyfulness. Give thanks unto the Father which made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son. Now there are lots of texts in the Bible that, that talk about joy. That feeling of elation. The feeling we have that, that we just feel better. We feel about, better about everything. It's not necessarily happiness. It's just a feeling of all is right with us and all is right with the world. And you can see how that can be disturbed, can't you? Here we are feeling like things are going so well and all of a sudden Putin decides he's going to invade Ukraine. So now all is not right with the world. And so our joy, or not our joy, but our happiness and our feeling of elation, that emotion we have is, is disturbed. We, we, we like to feel that everything is right with the world. We like to have a feeling of, of feeling like everything is going to be okay. And that actually is going to translate and should translate into this concept of joy. Now here are some, here are some of the Bible texts that encourage us as believers to be joyful. In Psalms chapter 32 at verse 11, it says, Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous, and shout for joy all you that are upright in heart. So he's got a lot of contingencies in here, a lot of qualifiers. He's saying, Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous. Those who are doing good, do right. And he said, Shout for joy you that are upright. Morally upright, ethically upright, socially upright. He's saying rejoice. It's also dependent upon the type of people we are. Psalms 49 verse 13 says, Sing, O heavens, and be joyful. 
That's what happens basically when you're joyful. You actually feel like singing, even if you can't carry a tune. When you feel like everything's right with the world, you feel full of joy and you feel like singing. That's what he says. He said, he said uh, Break forth into singing, O mountains, for the Lord has comforted His people and will have mercy upon His afflicted. In Psalms 51 at verse 11, it says, Therefore the redeemed of the Lord shall return. Now he's talking about a place that he's going to call Zion. Zion is where the Lord met with His people. So the first thing I'm going to try to introduce to you is that you cannot have joy if you're at odds with the Creator of the universe. You cannot have joy, and, and people have tried this and tried it and tried it, to be a joyful people and be a, an atheistic people. It doesn't work. Atheism and joy does not combine because when you leave God out, who is the creator of us, then we leave out the source of our joy. So, here it says we're talking about Zion, and Zion is the place in the Old Testament, if you've read the Old Testament, this is the place where God met with Israel in the city of Jerusalem later. He started out in Bethel and started out in Shechem and he started out in the wilderness and so forth, meeting with his people in the tabernacle. But it was eventually the mercy seat was translated transferred into Zion, which was the city of David, in the city of Jerusalem. That's where God met with His people. So when they came to see God, when they came to visit God, how do you feel when you go to visit your parents? How do you feel when you go to visit your children? How do you feel when you go see your grandchildren? How do you feel when you go see your friends? Let's call it joy. You have a good feeling. And so he says, Therefore the redeemed of the Lord shall return and come with singing unto Zion, and everlasting joy shall be upon their head. They shall obtain gladness and joy. Sorrow and mourning shall flee away. Philippians 4, 4 says it this way. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Psalms 118 verse 24 says, This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice in it. An uncomplicated definition of joy, really, as we've already stated, is a feeling of elation. You just feel buoyed up. There are two, two factors involved in, in real joy, lasting joy. One factor is, is reason. What you know and what you can figure out. You have a reason to, to feel this way. The other is the feeling itself. Sometimes you don't know why you feel like you do. But at other times, you do know why you feel the way you feel. It's a buoyance of spirit, lifting up of the spirit. Sometimes we express it this way. I feel good. That's how we express joy. Everything is going my way. Okay? That's how we feel. I don't have a care in the world. I'm on top of the world. It's a new... It's a bright and a shining world for me. That's how we feel. Now sometimes we know why we feel that way. And sometimes we don't. And sometimes we have to reason it out. We have to figure it out. And sometimes we can't feel joy until we know why we're feeling it. 
It's not always easy to keep our spirits up, is it? It's easy, however, to have bad days and down days. It's always easy to be gloomy. It's always easy to be depressed. It's always easy to feel as if this world is not going to survive or I'm not going to survive in this world. Things are always going to go bad. It's always easy to look at the downside of the world. At those times, we uh, sometimes when we feel like our, we're down and our spirits are cloudy, it's difficult for us to be bright and cheerful and smile and be pleasant. That's because we're not feeling that way. We feel like we're, that uh, at these times we feel like we're not being joyful and grateful to God. I want you to understand that what I'm going to talk to you about has nothing to do with any clinical depressive state that, state of mind you might be in. Sometimes the way we feel is dependent upon our, our physical anatomy. has nothing to do with God, has nothing to do with our faith, has nothing to do with how we want to live our lives. It just happens to happen to us. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a joy that God gives you as a believer that can help you and will raise your spirit always and always keep your spirits up when you turn to Him for these reliefs. We, we, when we feel depressed, sometimes we think maybe it's because we're not doing God's will. Maybe it's because we're in sin. Now that, I, I want to exclude that from our discussion today. I just want to tell you how you can have joy in the Lord as a believer. How you can have joy. I'm not here to criticize you for being depressed or being feeling down and not able to get up and not able to stand up. What I want to tell you is how you can feel good in God. Let's see. There we are. Charles Schultz was, a, was at one time, he's the, he's the author of this cartoon strip. It's in uh, it's the Charlie Brown cartoons. And that's Snoopy and the little bird, I don't, I don't remember what the little bird's name was. Woodstock. What was it? Woodstock. Woodstock. Okay, that's right. Snoopy and Woodstock. Charles Schultz was a believer. He, he believed in God, and his cartoons usually reflected that. Well, this is this is the uh, Snoopy, and he's he's doing his happy dance, and that's what usually we think of when we think of the happy dance. We think of the feeling of joy that we can have. We feel the, of the, like the exuberance that we'd feel if we were really on top of the world and things are really going well for us. We, we go into our happy dance. Things go right. David, the servant of God, had a happy dance at one time and we, it's recorded for us in the Scriptures. In Second Samuel chapter 6, when David went to get the ark... From, from a field where it, where it had been stored for a while because the children of Israel under Saul had lost the ark. Now the ark was a place where God met with His people. The ark was a big chest and in it were the Ten Commandments and the written word that Moses had written down, all the commandments. And it had the uh, 
the uh, it had a bowl of manna in it, and it had the uh, the rod that that Aaron used when he parted the Red Sea and so forth. He had th these implements in the rock in the ark, and it had the uh, the two emblems of the of the uh, bullocks that stood over the cherubim that stood over the ark and had some wings outspread. And anyway, this is where God called his mercy seat. This is what he called a mercy seat. That's where Israel could meet with God. When you're with God, you are, as a matter of fact, full of joy. Without God, you cannot have real, lasting, permanent joy. He made you because he wanted to have you in his life, and he wanted you to be happy about that and to enjoy that experience. That's why he created you. He wants you. He wants you with him. Now, they had lost the ark, lost control of it. It had gone to the Philistines. And finally, it had worked its way back to a threshing floor. And David went to get it. When he brought it back into the city of Jerusalem, he did his happy dance. He was dancing in front of the ark. As a matter of fact, the text says, As the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael, Saul's daughter, looked through a window and saw David leaping and dancing before the Lord. And she took out her hat pin and punctured his balloon. It says, she despised him in her heart. There's always someone around to poke a hole in your balloon of happiness. There's always someone there to, to bring you down when you go up if you're willing to go down. I don't think David went down. But, but uh, Michelle tried to bring him down. As believers, now, we have the ability to be up when we seemingly have every right to be down. There are lots of times in your life that are going to come along in this dark and gloomy world that we live in, and we're not part of the world. We're not supposed to be in love with the world. Matter of fact, God did not make the world so that we would get attached to it. He didn't make it that way. He doesn't want us to get attached to it. He doesn't want the world to make us joyful because if we get attached to the world, we don't want to go and be with Him anywhere. He wants us to be attached to Him. Now, we may, we may think we have a legitimate right to be down because God has given us the tools to be up and to enjoy life to the fullest, to get up and to stay up and to stand up when we fall and to refuse to stay down when we go down. The, the way we're looking at the happy dance generally is the way the world generally looks at it in terms of joy. They, they feel like the world says if you're, if you're going to be full of joy, you're going to always have to express it somehow. You're going to have to be in the happy dance. You're going to have to be dancing and smiling and, and in, in some sort of a rally. But we can stand, we can stand up and we can have joy and we can, through the strength of our faith, reach out to God for His hand when we don't feel like reaching out to anybody for anybody's hand. But we can overcome and we can overpower the gloom and the despair in our lives and the pessimism by what God has given us to be happy, to be joyful. And what I want to impress you with is 
that your joy does not always have to be an outward expression. You don't always have to be in a rally somewhere. Surrounded with people that are shouting hallelujahs to God. You don't always have to be in that situation. As a matter of fact, your deepest, richest form of joy will be in your inner self. When you're by yourself, when you're thinking about things of God, when you're thinking about life, and when you are contemplating why you are where you are and why you're feeling what you're feeling. We can feel good even when we're in desperate situations. Even when things are going wrong and things are going bad, we can, because of what God has given us, we can, as believers, feel joy in spite of the gloom that surrounds us. We can be optimistic. We can be self-confident. We can be at ease in the worst of situations and in the depth of our struggles and all without demonstration. Now, I, I want to give you a definition of what I was talking about when I was talking about joy. Joy is reasonable. It, it gives, you have a reason to be joyful. You can find that reason. And God has given us that and we can see that. And that's what I want to go through with you today. And we can also have joy as a, an emotion. Because it just happens. That doesn't last. That will not last. I had a college professor, psychology professor, that gave us, gave us a, an instance in his life about how he one time felt joy when he didn't know why. What he said was, he came on college campus one day and he just felt good. I feel good. Felt good all over. All day. It lasted all day. Went home. It didn't feel as good when he went home. He didn't understand it. Next day he came to work again on the campus and he began to feel good. As closer he got to campus, the better he felt. And he said he just felt like he was walking on air. It just felt so good. All day long. Chipper, good. Good feeling. Went home, same thing. Down he went. His balloon deflated. He's no longer in the air. He's coming down. Couldn't understand why. So he began to examine it, being a psychologist. He began to examine why he would have those feelings. And so he was, he was examining his his environment. And he went around the campus trying to figure out what has changed, what's different today than it was last week, for instance. What happened today? He went all around campus and finally, you know what he found out? He, he found out they were painting some parts of the campus. And he began to think about it and he said, well, why would that smell make me feel better? He finally realized that that was the same smell that he, he enjoyed when he was in the service. He was in the Navy. And when the ship came into dry dock, into port, and he took leave, all the ships in the port were being painted. He could smell the fumes. And he was happy to get off the ship and go on leave. That's why, that's why he was full of joy, elated. Now, that won't always last. Oh, Obviously. And you will feel that sometimes. Sometimes you've got a knot that's tied tight. 
and you work at it, work at it, work at it, and you finally get it undone, you know how you feel? You have achieved something. You've solved the problem. Now you can't always uh, untie all knots. But when you do solve a problem, you feel good about it because you feel like you have succeeded in something. You take a test and you get a good high mark on the test. You feel good about it. You see, these are emotions that you have. And sometimes these work for you. And sometimes these make you feel better. And you're not always sure why you're feeling better, but you are feeling better. Now, I want to tell you how you can feel better. What God has given you, tools you have, to make you feel that same type of buoyant of soul. How you, why you feel better in your heart. The first one is what Jesus said. He said, I'm going to leave, but when I come back, you're going to be glad I'm back. You're going to be glad I'm here. You're going to have joy. And he said, your joy will be full. C.S. Lewis said, it is impossible for a man or a woman to feel true joy and feel that sense of completeness without God. If He's not in your life, you'll never have it. You can have joy because you have chosen. Here's how you can feel good. Because you, have, you may have made some bad choices with some bad friends before, but when you choose God as your friend, you've, you've well chosen a friend. You can feel good because you have someone with you who makes you feel good. And that's God and His Son, Jesus. Psalm 16 at verse 11 says, You will show me the path of life. In your presence is the fullness of joy. That's how you feel better. He's given you that ability because He's your companion that you can feel the fullness of joy. At your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Now that's reasonable. That's reason. So you think about that. Think about it just a minute. And Peter said in 1 Peter 1 verse 8, Whom having seen you love, in whom though now you see him not yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable. I can't describe it. But I have to tell you that when you connect with God, you feel a joy and elation of spirit that you won't feel anywhere else. You have chosen your companions well. Jesus and His Father are with you and you know that. And when you feel that presence and you know that presence, then you know the joy and the happiness and the contentment that comes with that. Even when you're in a bad situation, you can experience that joy. The second way that you have joy is because you have actually examined the evidence of your faith. Two reasons for joy, remember. One is you just don't know why. You just feel good. It's an emotion. Just make, you just, you're happy. You're on top of the world. The sun's shining bright. Everything seems to be going well. You, your bank account is full. Your, your coffers are full. Your, your barns are full of grain. And, and so everything's going well. You've got good health, good circumstances. Everything. You feel okay. You're, you're all right. But when everything collapses around you, God says, I'll still let you have joy because you've got me. You and I are in this together. 
So you choose your companions. We're told that when we're kids. Choose your friends well. So we choose God and He chooses us. He's our friend. And we choose Jesus. He's our friend. We're standing with Him and we're standing with His people. But the evidence of your faith is found in the Word of God. So you go to the Old Testament and you find out the evidence of why you believe. You look at the Old Testament and you recognize this is a book unlike any other book in the whole world and it tells me all about God what He likes and what He doesn't like how He behaves and how I should behave and so forth and you read that and then you come to the Gospel of Jesus Christ and you read about Jesus and you read about all the good things He did for everybody you read about the healing hand of God that was in His Son Jesus and you read about the fact that the Gospel provides for you the good news, not just good news it's great news, it's wonderful news that I can have my sins forgiven and I don't have to be feel guilt and remorse. He takes that away. And that's, that's the only place it happens. But reasonably, reason tells me that my sins are gone because I've read the proof of my Redemption. I've read what God has said and how deep my heart is and the way that I can follow the right way because I know it's right. I've read it, I've studied it, I've examined it, and I know that this is true. I've got the facts before me, and so my reason tells me that I have a right to be joyful, to feel good. I have a right to feel good about myself, about my circumstance. I have confidence in the Lord's judgment so I can say... I, do I know whether it's right or wrong to do this? You know, God has instilled in all of us a moral conscience. That's a long ago established fact. All of humanity has a moral conscience. Whether it's trained right or wrong is dependent upon the, where we live and, and what we allow to go on in our lives. But we have a moral conscience. And we know what is right. And when we read the Scriptures, we know intuitively. We know that what God has said is right is right. What He says is wrong is wrong. And the world knows this. The world doesn't want to accept it because it interferes with what they call fun and joy and happiness. Which ultimately ends up in misery and despair and in gloominess. But the point is, our reason, our reason is that we know by, by virtue of reading the New Testament, the Gospel, when we read the Gospel of Jesus Christ, we know we have the right way. So that should bring happiness. should elate our... And it does. It, it raises our spirits. Psalms 19 verse 8 says, The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. Think about it. When you read the Scriptures, it rejoices your heart. You feel down? Open your Bible. Read the New Testament. Read about Jesus. You feel like it's gloomy? Open the Scriptures. Because the statutes of the Lord are right. They rejoice the heart. And they do. They really do. It really works that way. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. That's reason. 1 John 1 verse 4 says, These things, John said, when he wrote the Gospel... He said, these things write we unto you. I'm writing this to you that your joy may be full. I'm, I'm having a down day. Well, read your gospel. Simple. Read the gospel. Get it in your, in your reason, in your mind. Jeremiah 15, 16. 
Jeremiah was having a bad day. He was having a bad few days. He was having a bad year. He was having a bad several years. And so God sent a book to him. He had a book. And the text says, Jeremiah said, Your words were found. I found them. He found the Old Testament. What he found, he found the words of Moses. He found this book. He said, Your words were found and I did eat them. You know, that's what Jesus said, remember? He said, He said, He that eats my flesh and drinks my blood shall have life. He's talking about imbibing Him through the words, through the gospel. That's how we eat Jesus. That's how we bring Him into our lives. We, we share Him. Anyway, Jeremiah said, Your words were found, and I ate them, and your word was unto me joy and rejoicing. Jeremiah was having a downtime. You know, Jeremiah's the guy that wrote Lamentations. Boy, you want to read a down book, read the book of Lamentations. Because Israel's in trouble. But Jeremiah said, boy, I could take only so much of this. So I, I took your words and I, I ate them. What he meant was he imbibed them. And he said, I, I felt better. I just felt better all at once. He said, it was my joy and my rejoicing of my heart. I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. We can have joy even times of, during times of trouble and censorship. It feels good to know whose side you're on when you have confidence in that one that is having the same troubles that you're having. Wasn't it, isn't it, I don't know who said it, misery loves company? <laughs> Peter said it. Peter Baker. <laughs> he just said it when I said it. He told me what to say. Misery loves company. Well, so does joy. So does feeling good. Love company. Loves company. We are in the best of company when we're in trouble. You know, you only need, you, you know when you really need joy? You know when you really, 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 really need it? It's when you're down and when you're out and when you're in trouble. When things are going wrong and things are going bad, you need someone to help you get up and to feel better. And that's why we need to have someone on our side that we can say, well, He's going through the same thing I am. That's our Lord Jesus. That's, what, that's who He is. Matthew 5, verse 11 and 12 says, Jesus told His apostles this. He said, now you're going to get down and you're going to get out and you're going to feel bad and you're going to feel, feel like you've been pummeled around and beat up. He said, but get happy. Do your happy dance. That's what He said. He said, blessed are you when men shall revile you. He's, the word blessed means happy. He said, when things go bad, get happy. Blessed are you when men shall revile you, persecute you, say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice, be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. In other words, He said, I went through the same thing. You're going through it too. Get happy. Rejoice. And so we can rejoice because we know someone else has gone through and is going through the same problems with us. Luke 6.23 says, Rejoice in that day and leap for joy. Behold, your reward is great in heaven. In like manner do their fathers on the prophets. When you're doing right and being criticized for doing right, get happy. Because he says it's happened to all the good ones. 
Hebrews 12, 2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So even when you're having troubles, get happy. You can have joy when you're being tempted. Did you know that? When, when the devil is trying to get you to do something wrong, you can be happy about that. I've been thinking about this. I'm just going to throw this out for you. Why would I be happy if the devil's tempting me to do something wrong? Because he thinks that I'm worth tempting. Because he thinks that if he can get me, he can get a prize. Okay? I'm worth something to the devil. Now, he doesn't have to tempt the rest of the world because they're, they're all hell-bound anyway. They're going to do whatever they want to do. He doesn't have to tempt the adulterers to commit adultery. They're already doing it. He doesn't have to contempt those who are lusting after everything that they see to do it. They're already doing it. They're, it doesn't have, there's no effort that the devil has to put forth in that. But to get you to do something wrong, that means that you're valuable. So he's tempting you. And what does what the Bible tell us to do? He says, My brethren, count it all joy when you're tempted. Count it all joy. Be happy. Why? Because your faith works patience. The trying of your faith works patience. Now that means that when He tries to get you, the more you resist, the stronger you get, and the happier you get that you're getting stronger. Let patience have her perfect work that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Romans 14.17 says, The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And you can even be happy and get joy when you're being rebuked for not doing right. As a matter of fact, Hebrews 12 verse 11 says, No chastening for the present time seems to be joyous, but grievous, Nevertheless, afterwards it revealed it yields a peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them that are exercised thereby. When you're a child and you're you're given boundaries and you're punished because of what you did wrong, that brings joy. That brings joy because it brings strength to you and it makes you stronger the next time and makes you recognize that you're worth saving. You can find joy also more exceptionally, in the hope that tomorrow is going to be a better day than today. That there's something better waiting for us. That, that you're just writing right now. You're writing a book. Your life is a book. It's the first word. This life you're living right now is the first word in the first sentence of the first paragraph of the first page of the book you're writing throughout all eternity of your life. Your hope is not here. God doesn't want you to get attached to this world. To all the joys and pleasures that this world offers because they're fleeting. They don't last. That's why people go into depression because their joy doesn't last. They know that when they do something, when they satisfy a desire and a pleasure, that it doesn't last. Everything that goes up must come down. That's the byword today, isn't it? Everything goes up must come down. It, it doesn't last. Pleasures do not last. But with God, 
what you gain with God last. Your friendship with God, your relationship with God, your love with your fellow man, and your love of God last throughout all eternity. It's just starting right now, friend. It's just starting. And it's just going to get better. It'll just get better. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 1, verse 3 through 8. Which according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again unto a lively hope, a living hope, by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You're passing through bad times. It's hard for you to get up in spirit. Use your reason. Think about it. Use your reason. Why should I be joyful? Because you're standing with God. Because God loves you and you love God. And Jesus loves you and you love Jesus. And you have a source of love that endures. Hate doesn't endure. It won't endure. But love will. And you've chosen the right path to walk. Think. I'm not, I'm not trying to get you to raise your hands and go into some kind of rally where you're, we're, we're, we're trying to feel better about ourselves while we're in a rally of, that, that uh, is designed to crank you up for a while and let you down after a while. I'm talking about something that endures. Joy of, of the Holy Spirit endures. If God is for us, who can be against us? These are joys that are permanent, that are there, and that are real. You've chosen the right path. You've examined it, and that's good news for you. That's the gospel good news. You remember whose side you're on and who's with you. The company you're keeping. That is joyfulness. You know that you have a value to God and to the devil because you're being tempted and you're being tried and you're getting stronger. You can't solve every puzzle in this world. I can't either. I can't make a hundred on every exam that comes along. You can't either. Well, somebody can maybe if they're, if they're versed well enough in the, in the particular class that they're taking. But you can't always win except with God you're always a winner. You're always a winner. Remember that. And take rebuke as a sign of value that you've, you've been given some boundaries. God wants you here. Not over there. He wants you here. And remember that tomorrow is going to be a better day. Get up. Stand up. And stay up. By thinking about what God has given and my friend, you don't have to always show it outwardly. Get your happy dance on inside. That's where your happy dance is. It's inside. By yourself, in your bed, in your easy chair, walking on a path somewhere, taking a walk, grocery shopping, wherever it is, keep your happy dance inside where it belongs. Let's stand and sing the song of invitation.